Well, good morning. How are you guys? Happy New Year. So uh, honored you guys are here. My name is Pete, by the way. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome those of you at Brighton, those of you at Grozeal, those of you watching online. We're so grateful that uh, you chose to be with us today. And if it's your first time, oh my gosh, welcome home. We are really glad you're here, not to freak you out or anything. We've been praying for you to show up for a while now. And we're just so honored that you did. And we really do hope that you uh, just feel right at home. We're glad that you're here. So we're in uh, a new series called A Better Year. And it's kind of an interesting title for a series because you can't really guarantee a better year, at least circumstantially speaking, right? I mean, we all go into 2022 with like some really high hopes that this year will be better than last year, just like we hoped last year was going to be better than the year before that. But for a lot of us, there's not a whole lot more to it other than this intention, this hope, this desire that this year is going to be better. Now, there's a lot of things that we can't predict, right? We can't predict exactly what's going to happen with the economy over the next year. We can't predict exactly what's going to happen with COVID over the next year. We can't predict what's going to happen politically over the next year in our own country, in our own state, much less around the world. And so when we talk about going into 2022 and making it a better year, what we're talking about is how do we prepare ourselves, how do we prepare our heart, how do we prepare our soul to go into a year that we can't predict exactly what's going to happen, but we can predict how we react and how we prepare ourselves for growth and for what God wants in our life. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about growth and a little bit about transformation because this is the time of year that everybody's focused on that, right? If you, if you, you know, do anything in the world of growth and transformation, like this is your time of year because this is when everybody's focused on, right, resolutions and goals and I, I want, you know, my life to be different than it was in the past. And if I were to sit down with you guys, like if we would go grab a cup of coffee after this and I were to say to you, hey... As you go into 2022, like, are you wanting to see some growth in your life? Like, are you wanting to see some transformation in your life? I, I think the vast majority of you would be like, yeah, of course. Yes, I do. I, I want there to be some growth and some transformation in my life. I want there to be some healing in some certain parts of my life. Like, I, I want to get to the end of this year and look back and, and say to myself, like, I love who you're becoming. Right? I'm becoming a more honest human, or I'm becoming a more loving human, or I have more peace in my life, or I have more joy in my life. I, I forgave some people in this, this past year that I hadn't had the, the capacity to forgive like in previous years. And I feel like I have more faith than I do fear, and I have courage even when I don't have clarity. Like I, I think the vast majority of you would like to get to the end of this year and look back and see some healing, and see some transformation, and see some growth, and get closer to becoming the person you feel like you were created to become. Most of us desire transformation and healing. But do you know what I believe was probably the number one thing that's going to keep some of you from seeing any transformation, or any growth, or any healing is in this next year? Like the, the biggest enemy that you're going to face to growth and transformation and healing I mean, we, we could brainstorm a lot of things that could get in the way, right? Like for some of you, you might be thinking, well, maybe it's busyness. Like, you know, we live in a culture that's so fast paced for everything and we're always busy and maybe the busyness kind of keeps me from slowing down enough to experience healing and transformation and growth. And that, that would be like a possible reason, 
right? Some of you would say distraction. That's my biggest enemy. Like I just get distracted all the time. Like I wanna see growth and I wanna see healing, but then I get distracted because there's like my iPhone and then there's like Instagram and there's Snapchat and there's like, so yeah, yeah, we live in a culture where there's all kinds of distractions. It's unbelievable how many distractions can come out of the woodwork when you get focused on growth and healing and transformation. But I still don't think that's your number one enemy. Some of you say, well, maybe like we're in church, maybe I should say it's like the devil or the evil one because obviously he doesn't wanna see me have any kind of personal growth in 2022, right? I mean, even Jesus, when he describes the evil one, talks about him as the thief who comes in the night to steal and to kill and to destroy. So maybe, maybe that's the right answer here is it's, it's the evil one. He's gonna be the one that's keeping me from personal growth in 2022. Listen, all those could be valid, like, reasons or excuses or whatever, factors into your personal growth. I don't think any of those things rank as the number one thing that's gonna keep you from personal growth in this next year. You know what I think it is? I think it comes down to your desire to pretend that you have it more together than you actually do. I think that's the number one thing that's gonna keep some of you from transformation and growth and healing in this next year, is you're gonna pretend that you have it more together than you actually do. There's just something inside of me, right? And that something is inside of you as well because you're a human being, that you feel this need to project to others that you have it more together than you actually do. And it's all that pretending, it's all that projecting that keeps a lot of us from finding healing in the parts of our lives where we need it so much. And this is, listen, this is especially true inside of the church. Like inside of the church, there's often this temptation to pretend like, because a lot of us claim to be followers of Jesus, right? And so we're like, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Like I'm supposed to have it together, right? I'm not supposed to still have these issues where I need healing and growth and transformation. Like I received Jesus into my life, so I just kind of thought all that was just gonna disappear. And so I'm still struggling with some stuff, but I can't admit that, so I've gotta project and pretend. But this message is a really simple message. It really comes down to one simple phrase, and that's this. It's okay not to be okay. And if I can convince you of actually believing this, like in the core of your being over the next few minutes, then I feel like we, we've got a huge victory, right? It's okay not to be okay. Will you guys say this with me? It's okay not to be okay. Let's try it one more time, this time like you actually mean it. it it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay that you're not okay. It's okay that you're still in need of some growth and some transformation and some healing in your life. See, in today's America, we tend to think about healing as something that's very binary, like you're either broken or you're completely healed from that brokenness, right? You're either okay or you're not okay. But that's not really how healing works. And that's actually also not the way that human growth works. More often, healing and growth takes place on this continuum of innumerable points, right, of transformation between broken and healed. But we love, listen, we love in our culture to create these categories, we love it. There's the healthy people, right, and then there's the unhealthy people, right? There's the broken people, and then there's the fixed people or the healed people, right? There's the good people, and then there's the bad people. And we love to create these categories because when you create these categories, it's easy for you to judge other people, 
right? It's real easy for you to put other people into that category of unhealthy or broken, right? Or the bad people, it's, it's them. Like, you may have some issues, but not like they do, right? And so you, your ego wants to create these categories. What happens when you look at healing and growth as binary, either you're fixed, right, or you're broken, is your ego kicks in. And your ego says, okay, if those are my only two choices, that I'm either okay or I'm not okay, then your ego's gonna say every time, oh, I'm okay. I I'm good then. If those are my two choices, I'm healthy, right? I'm good. I don't fall into the category of bad. And then your ego plays all these kind of tricks on you. Like, wh what's interesting to me and this is where we've got to kind of get to in this message of understanding the heart of Jesus, is that if there's anything that kind of drove Jesus crazy in his ministry, what he really did not have any room to tolerate was people projecting they, they had it more together than they actually did. It drove him insane. There's no other way to look at the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus and the stories that Jesus told than to come to the conclusion that he did not like pretending and projecting. He didn't like people trying to act like they had it more together than they actually did. And so I'll show you just a, a couple stories today that will help you with this. This is Luke chapter 18. It says, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, right? So he, he, he's kind of casting the net here. He's saying, all right, I, I got a story. I want to tell those of you who are pretty confident in your goodness, right? This might be you today. Like today, like right now, you might be thinking, I, yeah, if, if there's a good category and a bad category, I'm definitely in the good category. If there's an okay and a not okay, I'm okay. Like some of you are very proud of your goodness. You're checking all the things off, off the, all the boxes, checking all the boxes, right? He says to some who are really confident in their own righteousness or their own goodness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like all the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. So in other words, he's like, hey, I'm good, right? I am a member of Northridge Church. I attend every, well, not every week, but I attend most weekends, like I'm there. If I'm not there, I'm watching online or I catch up online, right? I tie 10%. Right, I'm, I'm in a women's Bible study. I'm in, a, uh, you know, I'm in a, a, a men's Bible study. I'm in this class, I'm in that class. Like, I'm checking off all the boxes. I know the Bible inside and out. I even do like my homework and Bible study that they assign. Like, I'm good. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's a really humbling story, like so many of the stories that Jesus told often are, because what happens in so many of these stories is the one who does wrong ends up being right, simply because he was honest and humble about where he's coming from. And what you begin to put together as you read through these stories and these teachings of Jesus is that what God appears to want from us more than anything else is just honesty and humility about the things that we struggle with. Because it's that honesty and it's that humility, right, that paves the way or kind of preps or sets us up for transformation. All these stories, this one that Jesus has told, the one who's formerly right, which would have been the Pharisee, ends up being terribly wrong 
because he's proud of his own performance, right? The Pharisee's like, look at me and my goodness. Isn't it good? Right? The other guy, the tax collector, is like, uh, don't look at my goodness, but, but I will talk about God's goodness. And Jesus says, that's where it's at. That God favors authenticity over pretentiousness. He, he favors honesty over projection. Right? And, and I, I just don't know. I don't know how so many of us, including myself, have just missed this over the years. I suspect it's because our ego wants to think well of itself. And it, it's humbling to admit that we still have a lot of work to do. Like, that's humbling for me to think. I, like, I, I've been a pastor for years, right? I went to seminary. I've studied the Greek, the Hebrew, like years of studying the Bible, memorizing stuff, working through stuff. I've written books on this stuff. Like, and to say, after all these decades, I still have so much transformation that still needs to happen in my life that I still wrestle with so much stuff that's humbling right my ego wants to push back against that and say Pete you've got it together and project that project that you've got it together but the reality is I don't and I think that the only thing that most of us need to experience some growth and some transformation and some healing in 2022 is just simply to admit that we actually still need growth we need the growth. See, it's really easy, especially those of us who have been around church for a long time and we're really familiar with the Bible, to start to look at the Bible as if it's this, this story about these really absolutely amazing faith-filled people who did these like superhuman things, right? It's this story about really good people who are loved by a really good God. But the truth is the Bible's a story about broken people and God's choice to love them anyway. The Bible is brutally honest about so many of the people that we look up to. King David, amazing king, amazing leader. But he has somebody murdered so he can have an affair. Right? There's, there's Peter, who has great faith, ends up kind of being the rock of the New Testament church. Right? Many of us are sitting in church today because of his faithfulness. But also he's the guy who was constantly sticking his foot in his mouth. In Jesus' greatest time of need, Peter abandons him and re completely publicly rejects him. Um, there's Jonah, who God gives an incredible mission to, and what does Jonah do? He runs in the exact opposite direction of what God tells him to do. If there is anything that's consistent about the people of God throughout history, it's that we are inconsistent. And, and, and then it brings us to kind of where we are today. And... Uh, I think, I'm gonna pick for a second, I'm gonna be very careful how I choose my words here. I'm gonna pick on religion for just a second and pick on the church. When I talk about the church, I'm not, I'm not talking about Northridge, I'm just talking about the larger church in general. And a lot of us have had a lot of different experiences over our life with religion or churches. Some of you have had no experience with it, so you're gonna kind of be a little lost on this conversation, and that, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to you in just a second. But for those of us who have been kind of inside of this system for a while, we know that there's parts of it that are kind of broken. And one of the broken parts of it is there's something inside of religion and inside of the church where we've learned that we're actually rewarded if we pretend. I grew up in a church, it was a very, very strict church, lots of rules, lots of crazy, like if I told you some of the crazy rules we had in the church I grew up in, you would, you would laugh. You'd be like, that's not a church, that's a cult. Like it was just some craziness that we had created and got caught up in. 
And I look back on that and that culture that I grew up in, and I'm telling you, you were rewarded for pretending. You were. The more you could pretend and fake that you had it all together, the more they would elevate you inside of the church. But if somebody actually got honest about their brokenness, if somebody actually got honest about the fact that there was a need for ongoing transformation in their life, you were gonna be ripped of everything so quick. You wouldn't even know what happened. Like, that, that was kind of the environment. Like, it, it was okay to have brokenness before you were part of the church, but after you joined the church, you better have your act together. In fact, before you join the church, like, have all the brokenness that you want to. You can sell drugs, you can kill people, you can beat your wife, you can do whatever. In fact, the worse it was, the better, right? The worse your life was pre-church, once you're in the church, we'll make you the poster child. We'll make videos about you, tell everybody about the amazing transformation you had in your life, and it, it'll be great. But once you're inside the church, what often got communicated to a whole bunch of us was, don't screw up again. Don't be a pain, don't ask tough questions, don't cry out for help, don't make us look bad. Pretend if you have to pretend, fake if you have to fake, but don't be real and honest about the fact that you're still a messed up human being that's in need of the grace of Jesus. And some of you got that message lodged in your brain and in your heart, and here you are years later and you're still pretending and you're still projecting. Christians have very little ability to carry this idea of the need of ongoing transformation. But you know who had zero issues with this idea of the need of ongoing transformation? Jesus. Look at Jesus and the people around him. The people around him, his closest followers, who he was personally being poured into, right? He's personally pouring into these people around him. And they were constantly in need of ongoing transformation. They were constantly screwing up. That didn't freak Jesus out. He didn't like cut them and replace them with somebody new. No, he was okay. He was very comfortable with the idea of being surrounded by people who were in need of ongoing transformation. And so when people mess up inside of the church and they're honest and they're vulnerable about that, Man, that's just an opportunity for us to offer compassion and forgiveness in the same way that Jesus did. And I have a sneaky suspicion that a whole lot of this for all of us goes back to what we actually believe. And what many of you actually believe is yes, God does love you, but then you follow that up with but, right? So quick survey. How many of you would raise your hand right now and say, yep, I believe that God loves me? Go ahead, it's not a trick question. Okay, yeah, vast majority of you say, yes, I believe that God loves me. But you know what you say inside of your head right after you make that kind of confession? It's like, yeah, I know God loves me. He kind of has to, right? The Bible says God is love. He's kind of like required because he's God to love me. But I also think he's probably really disappointed in me. Right, isn't that how some of you feel? Maybe you've never used those words before. I believe God loves me, but I also think that deep down inside he's probably really disappointed in me. And I just wanna take a, a little pressure off of you right now. Some of you need to hear this more than you need to hear anything else. Listen, God's not disappointed in you. Your need for ongoing transformation and healing in certain parts of your life is no surprise to him. He's not sitting there with his chart saying, oh, I thought Johnny, man, I can't believe Johnny's still wrestling with that. I thought for sure once he you know, prayed and received me into his heart, he was gonna be golden from that point forward. I had no idea he was still gonna struggle like this. Jeez, Johnny, get your act together. No, 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 no. 
it's no surprise to God that you still need ongoing transformation and healing in your life. Um, last week I had a cold, which is normally not a big deal. Like everybody gets colds in the winter. These days getting a cold is, is a little different though, right? Because when you have a cold, you share the same symptoms often as people who have COVID, right? And so like people kind of look at you weird when you, know, you have a cold. So uh, I have a cold, I'm getting on a plane, right? I'm on the plane, everything is going great until all of a sudden I I, I feel this desire. I have to sneeze. Like, I have to. Like, it's, it, I don't know if I'm going to be able to avoid it, but I know the consequences if I sneeze on this plane. They're going to find an emergency hatch, and they're going to throw me out over the state of Ohio. I know it. Like, I, so I'm like, I'm fighting it. I'm like, every trick in the book, it's like, I'm like, Lord, please, I cannot sneeze on this plane, right? And so finally, that, that you know, that crazy urge just kind of disappears, I take a big deep breath, I look out the window and my eyes hit the sun and it just, just the biggest sneeze of my life. I'm talking my mask came a solid three to four inches off of my face, right? And then snapped back. Like, it was a powerful sneeze. Honestly, I'm kind of proud of it. It was, it was a very manly, everybody on the plane heard it kind of sneeze, right? But then it's all the looks, it's the scooting over and I get it, I understand, right? It looks in that moment as if I'm a very guilty person. And, and, and in the time of Jesus, there was this disease that, that was often looked at this way, much more severe than what we're talking about now. But the disease in Jesus' time that created a lot of social anxiety was called leprosy. It was a skin disease. And uh, it was a very serious disease, and uh, there really wasn't a cure for it. And uh, people who had this disease dealt with all kinds of, not just the physical implications of the disease, but there were social and spiritual implications. So the Jews thought that somebody who had leprosy, it's not just the fact that they were sick, right? They believed, spiritually speaking, that God had given that person leprosy, right? To probably because of something, some sin that they had committed at some point in their life, right? So that person is not just considered contagious and sick, they're considered ceremonially unclean. So to the Jews, there were certain things that were spiritually ceremonially unclean. Like there, there could be, uh, this could be a thing, this could be, um, um, it could be uh, a person, it could be a place that's ceremonially unclean, but if you had leprosy, you were unclean, right? And so that kind of sets up this story I'm going to share with you out of Matthew chapter 8. It says, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. So let me stop right there because I think a really good question to ask there is, okay, what was he doing on the mountainside? Right, so he's coming down the mountainside, but what was going on when he was up there? Well, this is Matthew chapter eight, the beginning of Matthew chapter eight. In Matthew chapter five, in Matthew chapter six, and in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus is giving a sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Probably the single most famous sermon given to any group of people at any time in history, the Sermon on the Mount. This is a sermon that would change everything for Jesus. It's kind of a long sermon. It goes over three chapters, right? And, and this wasn't just any sermon, right? It's a really unique sermon where Jesus kind of lays it down. Let me give you just a few examples before we continue in Matthew 8. Let me give you a few examples of things that Jesus taught inside the Sermon on the Mount. So this will go back to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said things like this. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder if you commit murder, you are subject to judgment, to which everybody would say, yeah, that's conventional wisdom. You murder somebody, you're in big trouble. You're gonna be subject to judgment. But then Jesus says, but I say, if you're even 
angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. Now, how many of you, raise your hand if you've been angry with somebody in the past six weeks? Yeah. See what Jesus, it, it appears Jesus is raising the bar, right? He goes on to say, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. And everybody would have been like, yep, yep, that's kind of the way it works. We've known this for a long time. It's part of the Ten Commandments. Let your neighbor's wife continue to be his wife, right? Don't commit adultery. He says, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now raise your hand. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just wanted to see some of you sweat for just a second. Uh, so, uh, you, again, you're raising a bar. Like conventional wisdom was, and here's the point, what Jesus is trying to make. Up to this point, there were these rules and laws which made it, I mean, it was still not easy, but it made it possible for human beings to just check, say, yep, I've never committed murder. Yep, I have never committed adultery. I'm good. And Jesus is just, just destroying all these boxes, right? He says, you've heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Everybody would have said, yep, conventional wisdom there. That's the way it works. Jesus says, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer them the other cheek also. Another one. He says, you've heard that the law says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Again, everybody's like, yep, that's the way it works, right? I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to love the people that are like me. I'm going to love the people who look like me. I'm going to love the people who believe like me, right, and hate my enemy. But Jesus says, I want you to love your enemy, and I want you to pray for those that persecute you. So you can imagine everybody that's listening to this is kind of freaking out. That's what's going on up on the mountaintop. Jesus is laying out the sermon and everybody's listening to the sermon and like nobody gets to the end of the sermon and is like, oh, you know, jump on Twitter, hashtag I got this, you know, hashtag I nailed this. No, that's not. They're like, what? They're like, I, 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 I can't do that. I can't live up to that standard. So this message kind of leaves everybody wondering, what's the point? And really the point of this message is really kind of the whole point of the Bible. And the whole point of the Bible points to this one simple idea. We need Jesus. Said we need Jesus. We can't do this on our own. This sermon reminded everyone that they were unclean and that there was nothing that they could do to make themselves clean. Very important. The point of this message, the Sermon on the Mount, never really was, I want you to go down the mountain and be perfect like me. The point of the sermon was, you can't go down the mountain and be perfect like me, so I will be perfect for you. You can't live a perfectly clean life, so I will live a clean life for you. The point of this message was not try harder. It was find Jesus. That was the whole point. So now, here they are, large crowds after this crazy sermon, right? Follow Jesus as he came down the mountainside. And suddenly, this is the first thing that happens after this sermon, suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me, and you can make me clean. Now, again, the very fact that this man even approaches Jesus, it, he can't do that. Right, that, that's, that's not the way it worked. People who had leprosy, you know, they're, they're, it's the weirdest thing, it was a weird disease because you're alive but you're kind of treated like you're dead. You're like banned to a leper colony, you're not allowed to get near, per, near people. Again, he, he's unclean, he's ceremonially unclean and according to the Old Testament, he couldn't even get near 
Jesus, but he does. And he says, you can make me clean. He's like, I'm sick. My future doesn't look good, but you can make me clean. Jesus reached out and he touched him. I'm willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Now, I, I love this story for a couple reasons, but one of the things that's really interesting is that Jesus reaches out and touches him. Jesus does not have to touch him to heal him, does he? Plenty of people that Jesus touched from a distance, he did not have to touch them. It was, in fact, illegal for Jesus to touch him. That's kind of the way Jesus rolled, wasn't it? He's making a point here, right? He's making a point. He doesn't have to touch him, but he touches him. Why? Well, again, the law said he couldn't touch him because what they believed was once something was ceremonially unclean, if something clean touched what was ceremonially unclean, if something that was clean walked through a place that was considered ceremonially unclean, that which was clean became unclean. It's kind of the way germs work, right? So let's say, I don't have any on me, believe it or not, but let's say I just wipe down with Purell, right? I mean, I've just coated it. 99.9% .9 of my germs are gone, right? Clean hands now. And let's say I decide that I'm gonna just put my hands all over this table. I don't know if they clean this table or not. Like, I'm, I'm betting they probably do. I have no idea. I'm not gonna lick it or anything. But I'll, I'll so, I, like, my hand was 99.9% .9 germ-free. The moment I do this on an unclean table, what happens? My hands get dirty. What was clean becomes unclean. It, it doesn't work like, oh, I have clean hands and I touch something that's unclean, and so the unclean becomes clean. No, the clean becomes unclean. That's kind of the way it works. And so when Jesus touches the leper and he's instantly healed for the first time that we know of in history, something clean has made something unclean clean again. It's a really powerful moment because Jesus now has changed everything. This guy doesn't blink at evil. Sickness doesn't scare him. Sin has no power over him. Darkness cannot push back his light. The guy's handing out do-overs like it's candy. Like, he's changing everything. And what is required? It's very simple. What did the leper do? He was just honest and humble. He just made a declaration, I need healing. That was it. Don't you wish it was that easy? To just get to that place in your life where you have no other choices but to be honest and humble about the fact that you need healing? See, the, the way I look at it is you can be honest and humble about that on your own or you can continue on the same course you're on now and allow life to deliver that to you on a silver platter. I've, I've gone both ways, by the way, in my life. There have been times that I stepped into that moment with courage and was honest and humble about the fact that I needed healing. And there have been other times that I wasn't and it got served to me. And trust me when I say, <laughs> stepping out on your own is a much better way to go. But it takes courage. It really takes a lot of courage. And one of the things I want you to know today is that you're in a safe place. This is a safe place. It's okay for you to admit that you've been drinking way too much. You've been drinking to numb. You've gone through some tough stuff and that's what you've reached to to kind of get you through this season. It's okay to admit that you're drinking way too much. It's okay for you to admit that you're addicted to pornography. It's okay for you to admit 
that some of you live your lives in such a way where you are controlled and dominated by the approval of other people. It's okay for you to admit that you're so depressed you barely got out of bed today. It's okay for you to admit that you are overwhelmed with grief. It's okay for you to admit that you work so much for one reason, because your identity is totally wrapped up in it. It's okay. See, the problem often with Christianity is that we look at grace and we look at the cross of Jesus as if it's the starting line, right? So you begin your Christian journey, and this part is true, you begin your Christian journey Right, with the humility of saying, I need a savior, and I'm gonna invite Jesus into my life, and I'm gonna receive his grace and forgiveness for my sins, right? So you do that. We view that as a starting line. And then you think you sprint forward from that place, and that from that moment forward, right, you leave behind the grace of Jesus, and now you move into what we would call good works. Now you gotta start checking off all the boxes, right? All the things you've been told that Christians do. Let's just start checking off all those boxes, right? But then what happens is you start missing some boxes, some boxes you can't cross off of, you're embarrassed about that, so you start to hide and pretend like you don't have these issues, right? Because you moved on from the grace of Jesus. Listen, the grace of Jesus, the cross of Jesus is not the starting point of your faith and then you move on from it. It is the centerpiece of our faith. We never move past it. We never move beyond it. We just continually circle around the grace of Jesus because we need it every single day. It should be like the air that we breathe. Grace isn't the starting point that you graduate from, right? And, and that's what's got some of you living in this lie of living in this land of you're doing just fine. You're, just, you're like, I'm fine, I'm good. But the reality is we know that many of you are not. You're not fine. You're confused and you're lonely and you're frightened and you're in desperate need of healing and transformation. And the choice is yours, right? Life as it has been or life as it could become. And I'm telling you, it's a safe place. Northridge is not a perfect church. No perfect church. If you're looking for the perfect church, right, just go ahead and give up right now. You're never gonna find it. But I'll tell you what you will find here. Pastor Brad has spent decades creating an environment where we could be real about our brokenness. He's created an environment where it's okay to need ongoing transformation. The very fact that I'm standing up here right now could not be more proof of that, right? This, this place, is, it's, not a, it's not a hotel for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. And, and that's more than just a cute saying around here, right? And, and I believe that this church backs that up by creating very specific environments for you to get healing. We have what we call here at Northridge a care ministry. And underneath that care ministry, there are dozens of different groups where you can get into with other people who are struggling with a lot of the exact same things that you're struggling and you can find healing and help there. We have groups from 12-step recovery groups, anger resolution groups, conquering codependency, depression and anxiety, divorce care, grief share, just go down the line. These are all groups and environments where you walk into very intentionally saying, it's okay to not be okay. Let's get you some help, let's come alongside you. Northridge is a community that I've always dreamed of. It's a place where everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect. But we also still believe that anything is possible. Right? Everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect, but anything is possible because we've seen it time and time and time again. When you get honest and humble about where you are broken and where you need healing, man, Jesus will meet you exactly where you're at. So for some of you, 
maybe today your first step is just coming into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe today the humility and honesty that you need to have is just saying, I am a broken human being, I'm a sinner, and I need a savior. It really is that simple. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I know for some of you that are so caught up in the good works thing and checking off the boxes, that seems almost too good to be true. I get it. But that's the promise. And I'm wondering if you're willing to trust him and receive that today. I'm gonna ask everyone just to bow their head and close their eyes. And um, no matter where you're at today, if that's you, you're not a Christian, maybe you've been relying on your own goodness instead of God's goodness, maybe today you would just surrender and just say a very simple prayer in your heart. Maybe just say, dear God, with as much as I understand about you, I want to invite you into my life. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I believe that what you did on the cross can be applied to my sins for my forgiveness. And I want to go your way, not my way. Again, the Bible states that that simple confession, that simple prayer is the beginning of our life with him. Others of you have prayed that prayer before and you're a Christian, but here you find yourself today with the need for ongoing transformation and healing in some part of your life. I pray today that you'll push your ego to the side and you'll muster up every bit of courage that you can to simply admit it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to need healing and transformation. And God, I'm gonna be humble and honest with you and I need help. I've got some patterns in my life that I know are not making me the person that I wanna be or the person I was created to be and I need your help. God, I'm so grateful that you've met us in this place. I'm so grateful that you're filling some people up with courage in this moment. We give you all the glory for it's in your holy and precious name we pray, amen. All right, before you take off, I got a couple really important things, so don't move, okay? This is, re this is really important. Um, first of all, for those of you who received Jesus today for the very first time, can I give you a next step? Here's all you gotta do. I want you to take out your phone, and I want you to text the word Northridge to 31616, all right? And we wanna come alongside you and get you some help and just encourage you uh, in your journey with him. Uh, second thing that you need to know about for those of you that are here today who are ready to get real and honest about wanting to see some growth and some transformation and some healing in this next life and you need a next step, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your phone out. Go to northridgechurch.com slash care. northridgechurch.com slash care. You're gonna see all the listing of all the different care groups that exist, all right? And a way that you can contact and reach out. Listen, do it today. In fact, do it before you leave this campus. If you don't wanna do it in this room, that's okay. Uh, if you need to go out to the parking lot and get in your car, but do it before you drive off this campus. There's gonna be something inside of you right now. It's like, yeah, I'll check it out later. No, 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 do it now. We've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. Now is the perfect time for you to get honest, be humble, and admit that you need some help in one of these areas of your life and you can sign up for that. Third thing, uh, we have a prayer team. 
It'll be down here right after this service. Maybe for you, part of the humility and honesty is you just need to look somebody in the eyes and say, I need some prayer. They would love to pray with you. The fourth thing, I hope you have an amazing week. Go out there, have a blast, enjoy your week, and remember, listen, God loves you, and he's not disappointed in you. And your need, right, for ongoing transformation is just a reminder that you are human. God loves you. There's no but after that. He loves you, okay? So take that, all right, and live that out. Let that love flow through you this week. We'll see you next weekend. God bless.